0: Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it on. on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. It is Tuesday, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We're here to talk about the Vikings game. The Raiders 26-20 to 20 winners over Minnesota at Allegiant Stadium. And uh, as always, to talk about it, it's me, my partner, Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. Also, the Raiders columnist for SportsNot.com. And he is a uh, food take aficionado. As we bring on Mo, Mo, now we've had some time to rewatch the game. Are you ready to get into this and talk a little bit more about what we saw, what concerned us and what we thought went really well?
2: Yeah, I'm ready. I hope Raider Nation's ready. Uh, as we know, some people <laughs> don't like to hear the negatives, but shout out to everybody who read the piece up on Sports Night that I put out this morning uh, and and just is like, hey, I'm glad you you were able to point out the positives and the negatives because there are there are a lot of both coming from yesterday's game.
0: Yeah. And, and as as we as we talked about on the postgame show Sunday night with Murph, uh, you know, it just felt a little different. But I, I, to me, it didn't feel as good like watching it. But at the same time, that's what these games are for. And Josh McDaniels during his press conference, which we will hear his his game press conference. And then I was on uh, on Monday morning uh, for his 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 uh, game day or excuse me, his Monday press conference with the media, and he had pretty much the same things to say, nothing there. But we'll show you some of that and play you some of that audio so you can hear what he had to say. But that's what this is for. I think, Mo, that's the thing. You know how fans, fans get passionate about their team, and I get it. Uh, And we all dissect this to the end of the earth. But preseason games are to evaluate talent number one, and to practice your scheme, limited scheme, because you're not going to show too much to the opposing teams because they get the film as well. So this is what this is about. So I think people need to temper some of their concerns. There are concerns, but we shouldn't go overboard with them.
2: Yeah, and, and Josh McDaniel said it, I believe, on Monday, or was it Sunday after the game? He said, you know, the Vikings did some things that, you know, did some other things that the Jag- Jaguars didn't show them. So as new teams show you different looks, you're going to have to adjust. So, of course, you're going to have to go back to the drum boy and tweak and fix certain things. So that's expected during the preseason. This is again, this is where you work out the bugs and kinks in your football team.
0: Yeah, that, no doubt about it. All right. So let's dive in, Mo. In rewatching the game uh, on um, on Sunday night, uh, I did right afterwards and, and looking at that, uh, to me, it was... Um, I think a mixed reaction. I saw the start of the game started really nicely for the Raiders defense, uh, including Malcolm Coons, who I thought was one of the stars of the game uh, and really did well. And, 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 and kind of in, in, I can't say locked up, but certainly put himself in a nice lead for that third edge spot. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? And what about what was it about his game that we continue to see improve week by week?
2: Very aggressive at the line of scrimmage, right? Active at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's what the Raiders need in a a third edge rusher. That guy is usually going to be your designated pass rusher behind your top two guys, which in this case is Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. But I think you're right. At first, I wondered whether the Raiders would bring in another veteran edge rusher. And they still might, just for the depth purposes. You can never have enough edge rushers. But I think Koontz has done enough that you can feel confident in him being that third edge guy behind Crosby and Chandler Jones.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, one guy they will not be going back to is Carl Nassib, of course, who on Monday signed with his old old team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So if the Raiders look for interior help and help across that line, it won't be coming from that familiar name. Uh, so we can cross him out. I know we saw I saw some uh, questions about Darius Philon uh, on on your timeline. A couple people uh, DM me about him and some others. Um, when you look at uh, that defensive interior, which had struggles, again, uh, not only in the pass rush, but against the run. In fact, we'll talk about it in a second. The entire Raiders defense had some trouble containing the run with Miami, as you mentioned. Um, when you look at that and who's out on the street there, any, anybody come to mind for you as, a, as, a, as kind of a, a stopgap in that middle uh, and perhaps some folks, I know we're getting up on cuts here. We had cuts on Tuesday. Uh, and so we'll see if there's some roster movement there, but any guys that you're considering that might be a nice fit for this defense in Patrick Graham.
2: Yeah. I haven't done any deep digging on the free agent pool other than the name that I mentioned in my sports, Night piece and Dominic and Sue, because that's what a lot yeah. of Raider fans are familiar with. And that was the big name, uh, even before training camp because of Sue's, comments on Twitter some people don't want to hear about Sue because they believe he's using the Raiders for leverage uh I don't know what Sue's motives are but I do know that he could still play good football and you can still get him on the field for 60 percent of the snaps and he could still be effective on run and passing downs I estimated I didn't this is not a report I this doesn't come from Sue's agent or in (laughs) Sue, but I estimate that he would cost between seven and eight million simply because his last Three one year deals with the Tampa Buccaneers were between eight and nine point two five million. So I would guess that he's not gonna back too far off of that number, even mm. at his age. I believe he's uh 34, 35 years old. Um he's probably gonna cost between seven and eight million for the Rays if they want him. The good news is the Rays have enough cash to absorb his contract demands, if that is his number, and still have room to sign other guys if they need to.
0: Yeah, and that's my question for them because if if they look at to me. As of today, as we're talking on our Tuesday edition here, uh, that as that $21 million cap, if you if you were to, let's say, theoretically, give $8 million to Sue, if that's what it requires to get in because you feel that way, you still need to go get that uh, offensive lineman, I believe. I don't think there's any way around that. And so suddenly that money's going to go pretty quick if the names are um, like an Adamic and Sue, but on the offensive side of that. We don't know who they might be looking at. We don't know who will be cut later on as well. Some guys hit the street, and some folks t- said to me the other day, they said, well, if someone else cut them, why would we want them? Well, some guys become cap hit, Some guys become uh, uh, edged out because of their age. They're still very good and better than what the Raiders have currently on the offensive line. But you think they can address both of those but then what if they find a need? I mean they went out and in, in, in defensive backfield or at linebacker for example because you just don't know what's going to happen knock on wood with injuries. Um but how close can the Raiders come, Mo, to spending all that cash that they have in their wallet right now?
2: I believe if they spend, you know, about 12 million, they're still fine and they will still be left over about 10 million going into the season. Again, it all depends on what they feel is a need and what and what positions they need to uh, dress before the regular season. Now you mentioned something about why pick up a guy if he's cut, and mm-hmm. what do we say about the Raiders the last few years? They're gonna have to cut some good players because yes. they just don't simply have enough room. The same goes for other teams. Some teams just cut decent players because they simply don't have the room to keep everyone, and sometimes it, it's a numbers game. If right. you have a guy making $8 million, if you have a guy making $2 million, and they can both give you just about the same production on the field, you're going to keep the $2 million guy and let the $8 million guy go. So just because the guy's available doesn't mean he's worthless to the lead. You could still use him as a death piece wherever you need help. Uh, but I think the, Raiders, the tricky part about the Raiders' situation is, when will their cornerbacks be back? And I mentioned this in the, on the post-game yes. show with Murph. Uh, Anthony Averitt, Rocky Sin, Trayvon Mullen, not back yet. And they may need to address that position if none of those guys back or maybe if just one of those guys comes back, they're going to also have to address that position before week one against the Chargers.
0: And that's that's what I'm talking about. That's why I asked you the question right there, too, was because the money can go really fast if you have three significant needs and you have to address them in free agency, which if that scenario you just laid out and hopefully that doesn't happen and they don't have to do it and those guys all come back. But if you have to, then you suddenly are looking at spending significant amount of money in those three areas. Uh, Mo, I want to know, too, as you watch the game, um, rewatch the game, you know, we talk about and continue to talk about the offensive line and what's happening there. And Josh McDaniel spoke about that at the press conference. I was a little bit surprised by his comments, not because I was expecting to him to say they didn't do well or expecting them to say that they, they did great, but listen to what he said here. I want to get your comments on Josh McDaniels uh, after the game talking about the offensive line.
1: You know, and and one of the things that keeps showing up that I'm really happy about is that there's no turnovers. Oh. That being Excuse said, I me. thought we... I no, went, just, I, I went mean, the wrong other clip. than I think we have some depth at tackle, you know, and, and some competition. Um, you know, we've told them since the first day we got here that this was going to be uh, a situation where, you know, guys earn their opportunities and they'll determine their role. So... Uh, We felt like there's been a lot of healthy competition in practice. Um, And, you know, last week we started a certain group uh, against uh, Jacksonville, and uh, we felt like practice this week, um, you know, pushed that competition even further and wanted to go ahead and give a few other opportunities today. Uh, and I thought we did that, uh, you know, move some guys in and out inside, started there on the right side again for a young guy. He's really, um, you know, he's, he's done a nice job for himself, uh, and earned the opportunity that he had today. So again, we'll see what the film shows us and tells us, but, uh, I think it was, there was, it was some good things to see from all those tackles.
0: Well, there you go, Mo. I, I think there was some good things. We talked about Illuminor and some of the other guys who, who did well, Simpson struggled, but. What I glommed onto there, and again, Josh McDaniels learned from the master. He's much more talkative and open at this point in his career, re-emerging as a head coach than Bill Belichick is, right? So he'll talk to you more. He's not saying a lot more, but I was surprised by the word depth there. Now, if you count bodies as depth, um, okay, but I, did that did that strike you or is it just coach speak? He's just trying to deflect.
2: It's that's just semantics. Cause technically speaking, he's not wrong. The Raiders right, have depth exactly. at tackle, right. other than they have they have Alice Leatherwood, they have Jermaine Illuminar, they have Brandon Parker, who we don't know if he's coming back or not, whatever. And and then uh as I said, uh Thayer Mumford. There you go, Thayer Mumford Jr. Mumford, yep. So they have four guys who could possibly start at right tackle. So he's not wrong when he says they have depth. The problem is do they have a starting quality player there? And that's what they're trying to figure <laughs> out right now. And I, and someone asked me if I had to bet on one of those guys starting, who would it be? And I said Jermaine Luminar, only because, and I know we're going to get into this, their Mumford was okay on Sunday against the Vikings, but he didn't do anything to make me think, okay, the Raiders definitely have their, their starting right tackle right there. Yeah. That same goes for Alex Otherwood and his two performances. And Brandon Park, as I just mentioned, is still out, not practicing. So I think if it comes down to it and they have to pick a guy to start there, I, th- I think it might be Jermaine Illuminar.
0: Yeah. At this point, he's been the most consistent, right? I mean, I haven't seen anybody play more consistent than Illuminar at that position. Uh, and, and so to me, that's, that's why I glommed onto the word because yeah, <laughs> bodies, meaning you have a bunch of right tackle or a bunch of tackles. Yes. But to your point about quality and start and, and again, they have a few weeks to address it, so it's not it's not an emergency push the button type of thing. But for each week you go by, and we'll see how their practice goes this week. Maybe maybe somebody steps up, and we see that against Miami on Sunday. But if they go through this Miami game and you see much of the same, and they don't sign anybody before that, then I would be a little more concerned. But that was sort of uh, I think the 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 point that I saw and heard with McDaniel's after the game. The other thing we talked about in the post game, Mo was around this team, the lack of pre-snap penalties that's killed them over the past couple of years, and the lack of turnovers. Now, McDaniels was asked a question about quarterbacks, but he addressed this issue, and that's what I wanted to play. I mistakenly played it first, but I'm going to play the whole clip now for everybody.
1: You know, and, and one of the things that keeps showing up that I'm really happy about is that there's no turnovers. You know, and and before we can win, we have to learn how to not lose. And, you know, all the quarterbacks went in there and generally took care of the ball, uh, made good decisions. Sometimes the best decisions are the ones uh, that nobody can tell on, you know, in the stadium right away that it was a good choice. But, you know, throwing the ball away or sometimes taking a sack, you know. And um, I thought both of those guys did a good job of moving us, scoring points and uh, finishing some drives and, and taking care of the ball at the same time.
0: Well, there you go, Mo. I mean, yes, for the quarterbacks, no question. The two backup quarterbacks, Mullen, actually three with Garbers coming in at the end of the game there for some slop time. Um, no turnovers there. No fumbles lost. There was a fumble, but it wasn't lost. And and I love what he said there about learning not to lose because the Raiders over the last few seasons, I think were in situations where they could not put a game away and they could not overcome that refreshing and i think a big nugget again it goes back to what we talked about with focus determination and what how this culture has changed under this head coach
2: yeah he just said it no turnovers in two games i believe 10 penalties uh six in the first game four on sunday against the vikings so again what he's preaching on the practice field to these players about details focus is translating to the field um, I did mention in the post game with Murph that it was kind of disappointing to see Amik Robinson get the first penalty and make a mental error before that biting on play action. And I said on Twitter Monday that when it comes down to bringing the roster down to 53 players and making tough decisions between one guy and another, I think he's his, he and his coaching staff are going to focus on guys who made the least mental errors because we don't need anybody on this team. That's going to lead us to beat ourselves not not learning not to lose football games so i think those guys who make those mental errors like amik Robinson or anybody else they're going to be in the crosshairs of being cut uh late this summer
0: yeah you don't there, you want to stick out you want to stick out from the positive meaning you do your role it doesn't mean that you don't sometimes get beat but you want to limit any errors right and i think that's where amik Robinson mm-hmm. and he still looks to Mimo. he still looks From body language, and again, we talked about this with Murph uh, on Sunday night, too, with body language. He just looked a little, he looks like he's still lacking confidence. And I think that's where you make mistakes. And that's where you blow coverage because you're not sure of your assignment. And it's too bad that his stock is kind of uh, falling, which, you know, you talked about in your sports knot piece. When you look at that, what you've seen from some of that defensive backfield, we haven't seen all the guys you mentioned with uh rocky sin and with mull and all these other guys that are out there um when you look at who who has surprised you who's kind of made who might be beating out an amik robertson at this point somebody to watch for the fans out there
2: yeah quick note on amik by the way josh yeah. on Monday did say that he moved the Meek in different spots so you remember sure. reading that by language that may be part of it but that's not an excuse because because he's a backup defensive back. He's going to be asked to move around the secondary. And if he can't fulfill that role, uh, they might move on from him. But to answer your question, Sam Webb is the guy that's caught my eye mm. uh, last last game on Sunday. I think Sam Webb actually has a chance as an undrafted free agent out of Missouri West, Western State to get on the roster. If the Raiders don't have Anthony Averett, Rocky Alcine, Trayvon Mullen back, before week one, if they do indeed move on from Meek Robinson, that opens up a spot for a guy like Sam Webb to make the roster. Uh, he had one of the two pass breakups for the Raiders' defense on Sunday. Jayon Brown had the other one. Of course, Sam Webb probably could have picked that off. You saw his reaction and the ball bounced mm-hmm. off his hands. He felt he probably felt like he could have held on to that one. If he did, it would have been great for him. But I think he did well for himself among the, among the Raiders' defensive backs in, in that game, and I think he put himself on the radar as a, as a guy that he might keep. Uh, late August.
0: No question. Uh, Good stuff. And before we go to the break, I want to revisit, I'm going to go back to the offensive line. Cause as I rewatched the game, I really focused in on Dylan Parham. And I thought overall, yes, he had some mistakes. We know about the sack, but overall, I think he did really well moving around in there. And, and yes, he's not a starting center. There's no question about that. But they do need to have depth there if something were to happen to Andre James. Evaluate his overall performance. I give him a solid B. I really do. I thought he did well.
2: Yeah, as you said, minus the sack, I, I gave him pretty much a solid B. So you mean to tell me, Scott, that sack isn't everything? He didn't he didn't get a <laughs> feeling great just because of that one play that everyone's well, hanging on to?
0: Well, and the thing about it was on the broadcast, Matt Millen did a great job describing what happened. And as a young player in that position, he went to help his teammate and they brought the player around. And so it was just recognizing the defense and understanding what was happening. And that comes with experience. He hadn't seen it before. He's out there playing center for the first time this season. And so to me, no. I mean, look, it's going to happen. And and the Raiders have given up nine sacks in two games. It's not it's not good. Uh, but if you look at that one in particular, it wasn't like he was just beat. And I think that is a big difference for me.
2: It's a, it's a what would you call it, a tape, a tape teaching moment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you can look at that and, and say, look, this is what happened on the play. This is how you would defend against that next time you see that happen. Yeah. So I think next time he sees that he'll be able to, to handle his duty and block for his quarterback, he'll be fine.
0: He will. Mo, before we go to the break, anything else, any other observations that hit you the second time around watching the game that we didn't talk about on the postgame?
2: Um, I hate to be that guy that's to mention Darian Butler for the 55th time. But <laughs> <laughs> Darian Butler, even though Pro Football Focus doesn't like Darian Butler's performances, I, I took a look at that. Um, he did miss a tackle. But uh, I think overall, I think him, again, being just being active out there and just having his head on a lot of plays is good for him as a special team because that's what you want. I know we're going to probably talk about special teams later in the show, and I think that him being on that that core unit could help that group.
0: Yep, we are going to talk about special teams uh, in the third segment (laughs) as well, kind of our round robin as we usually do, including we didn't talk in this segment about wide receivers much. We'll get to that. And then also kind of the best of the rest, so we'll do that. All right, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Darren Waller because suddenly everybody wants to talk about Darren Waller. Everybody's got a take on Darren Waller and why he wasn't at the game and so on and so forth. We also have a clip from Bustin' with the Boys with Will Compton, former Raider, and uh, his comments from Darren Waller on red zone offense the last couple years so we'll get to that in a few minutes all right we'll be back right after this you're listening to silver and black today here on odyssey's original podcast network don't go anywhere